So this is the image that I have when I think about this morning's topic. Can we put that up? Who is that? Iron Man. And so, so I have this image in my mind that when evil attacks, attacks you, attacks your family, attacks your community, your friends, that there is this desire to have this ability to have some kind of power race, some kind of a force field that pushes back against the enemy and keeps him held away from your presence, from your dreams, from who you are. Keep pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. How many have ever felt that, that there was evil attacking you? How many have ever felt that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you, you want to push that back. So you say, well, then, then give me the weapon or give me the, the, uh, the power suit, whatever is needed, so that, 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 I can, that I can push back, that I can fight off heart disease, I can fight off ISIS, I can fight off corrupt politicians, I can fight off poverty, I can fight off mean people, I can fight off the New England Patriots. <laughs> so when my brother-in-law was just a kid, his parents bought him for Christmas a Superman outfit. And, and being a child, in his mind, he felt that if he put that suit on, he was Superman. If he put on that S and he put on that cape, then naturally, if you're Superman, you can fly. And if you can fly, then you should fly. And so he climbed to the roof of his house, and he flew for about a second and a half. And you got to know my brother-in-law, it didn't hurt him, and if you knew him, you know why. He's just, he's just that kind of guy, but he learned he couldn't fly. And it reminded me of that story that, that, that as I'm thinking about, if we could just put this thing on, we could be this way. I'm thinking, and I've told you this before, it's a great story of when Muhammad Ali was in his prime as the heavyweight champion of the world. He was flying somewhere, he got on the plane, sat on the front of the plane, and the flight attendant came to him and said, Mr. Ali... We're taxiing, you have to put your seatbelt on. And his response was, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, Superman don't need no plane. <laughs> so what do we need when there are attacks, evil attacks against us that are greater than our ability to repel or to resist? So we're spending four weeks hopefully providing you some lifelines in, in a way that you can form your life so that you can resist the evil attacks that will come against you. And it's no good if we don't know we have the lifelines or we don't know how to use that, and that's why we're spending these weeks. So last week we talked about crying out to God, and if you weren't here go on and get the podcast. It should be up there now for you, and, and go on there and and listen to last week because it is the foundation upon everything else we'll be talking about. And it is really foundational for life. Next week, we'll be talking about how that you can have victory over circumstances and situations once and for all. And the following week, we're going to talk about how do you, how do you stay stabilized when you feel like God is not answering you on time or in the way or in the manner you think it should be done. This morning, how do we hold back the evil that wants to pounce on us, on our families, on our, our community of faith, on our friends? How do we do that? Remarkably, what I'm about to tell you seems counterintuitive. It, it doesn't sound right. 
But the way that we hold back is by laying it down. So last week, we looked at the fact that there is, there is this, this foundational piece that if we're going to make it in life the way that God designed us, that we have, we have to have confidence in the right place. And we said our confidence has to be in Jesus. Because it's Jesus that we recognize who took on the greatest evil that could ever exist and overcame it. He had the authority to resist and to repel and to overcome. That is why he's described this way by Paul the Apostle, who to the church in Colossae, he said this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body, and he is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in what? Everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Three hours on a cross, changed the world. Three hours. In that time, somewhere in that midst, Jesus confronts the evil of this world. And that evil attacks with all its fury, and not only does Jesus win, he takes authority over them and then makes it clear to us who follow him that that same authority is now given to us when we face that same evil. It took three hours. But in reality, to be able to do what he did in three hours, it took 33 years. 33 years of laying it down. Ask Jesus, hey, what are you doing here on earth? If you were God with skin on, what are you doing here? And he will tell you, I have come to only do what the Father Ask me to do. I'm laying down all of my rights and all that I would like to do so that I can follow whatever the Father asks me to do. While you and I, as we enter into our 12 and 13 year ages, are beginning the prime of our entitlement years, me, 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 look at Jesus in the temple and listen to him as he says this I'm here only to do my Father's business. Jesus, confronted by religious leaders, says to them, you want to know who I am? I am the good shepherd. And then he says this, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This, is, this command I received from my father. Watch Jesus as he goes into the waters of the Jordan River to be baptized. In doing so, what he's saying is, I have let go of all that I think that I should have, and I've laid it down. And that going under the water, coming back up, is saying that I have submitted my life to do the will of the Father. And the Father responds by saying, this is my son. And watch him lay it down, because this is what you do. So Jesus lays it down, and the Holy Spirit says, well, you're going to do that. Let's get on with it. And he takes him to the desert. And in the desert, 
If Jesus only does what the Father tells him to do, then the Father's told him, I want you not to eat for 40 days because it's all part of laying it down. The author of the Hebrews describes this process of laying it down this way. Though he was God's son, he learned trusting obedience by what he suffered, just as we do. Then having arrived at the full stature of his maturity, now catch that, in the process of suffering and laying it down, he finally reaches that state of maturity, and having been announced by God as high priest in the order of Melchizedek, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who believingly obey him. What we read earlier, the fact that on that cross, he brought us to a place of rescue, it only took place because of his willingness to lay it down and suffer in the process so that he could then become the one who would be on that cross. See, Jesus couldn't do the cross thing until he did the laying down thing. And it hurt to lay down what he wanted to hold on to and what he wanted to do. Fasting is a laying it down intensive seminar. Fasting is saying a firm goodbye to everything in us that still clings to the old. And Jesus, in those moments of fasting, was letting go of everything that was not on God's agenda. Paul the Apostle described it this way, who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. That phrase, made himself nothing, is a word that actually means that he emptied himself. He laid it down. And while Jesus was emptying himself of food, he was also emptying himself of connection to any part of the world not ruled by God. And that could even be for us things that are legal, things that are lawful, but in our life, the way that God is directing us, he's saying, that's not for you, you lay it down. Somebody else could do that, but not you, you lay it down. There is within us these drives to do certain things and to be certain people. And what fasting does is it takes us down to the very base drive. The strongest drive within us is not our success. It is not a sex drive. It is, it is not a, a security. It is not a sleep that we need. But the basest drive within us is, is a need to eat. To survive, I tell you right now that as I am anticipating going through this week of fasting, already my body and my mind are telling me, don't do it, you will die. Because we're made to eat. Jesus said, I'm going to take this base drive of eating, and I'm going to tell it no, and I'm going to move it out of the way for him 40 days. Because there is another drive down deep inside that has been drowned out by the noise of the other drives of my life. And this is the most base drive, and it's this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the Father's mouth. That there is this call of God to know him and to be with him and to be shaped by him that seems to be drowned out by everything that is around us. And fasting takes us to that place that we say, I'm getting rid of all of that other noise so that I can hear him and know what he's created me to be. 
Paul the Apostle said, God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach, for goodness sake. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. Now, here's the problem with with fasting as far as Satan would view it. If we empty ourselves of all those other things and begin to fill that with the things that, that make up a relationship with God, it is contrary to what Satan desires. Therefore, he does not want you to empty yourself and be filled up with God. And he didn't want Jesus to do that. So, as Jesus ends the 40 days, watch what Satan does. Satan comes to him and says, man, you got to be hungry. 40 days. And there's no food around here. You're in the middle of the wilderness. But if you're God, you can make those stones turn into bread. And Jesus says, you don't understand. My drive is not to eat. My drive is this, that bread is not the most important thing, but every word that proceeds out of the Father's mouth. I want him more than I want to eat. Satan goes back at him again, and he says, so, you know, you really want all of this around here because you created this for you. I mean, we read that earlier. It's created for you. And so, if you really want it, all you got to do is trust me, Satan says, and we'll become partners. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. The only thing that I want is to be in awe of my Father and trust him. And he will take care of the rest. Satan says, well, yeah, but wait, wait. You know that you're creator. You know that you, are, you were powerful then if you were really God. And then, therefore, you want to have control. And, 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 and we all deal with this. We want to have control of whatever is in our life. You want to have control and, therefore, do this. Manipulate the situation so that you have control. And if you really are God, In flesh, you can jump off the pinnacle of this temple and on your way down, you're going to force God, if you're his son, to send the angels to take care of you and you can take control of the situation by your your manipulation. And Jesus makes it pretty clear. He says, I'm not going to do what I want so that God can prove his love to me. I'm going to do what God wants so that I can prove my love to him. That's the way we do it. So Jesus lays down his old way, his old life, the way it was, so that he is ready for the new way, the new life. When we fast this week, we're going to go before God and say, we're laying down what has been because you've got something so much better. And we're going to walk into something brand new. That's what we're doing. And what will happen is this, that fasting will shape our praying. Praying is, and we talked about it last week, praying is vital. You can't, you can't do warfare and you can't be filled with the Spirit and you can't allow the power of God to move through you if you don't pray. But fasting in prayer takes it to an entire different level. Fasting is not a spiritual hunger strike that forces God to do something for you because God's afraid you're going to starve to death if you don't get your way. Not going to happen. Fasting increases our ability to actually hear God and build faith. It drowns out all the other voices around us. In fact, it is so vital that on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus took for granted that we would fast. He said, now when you fast, do this. You say, do do I have to? No, you don't have to. But he said, if you really, really, really want to grow in relationship with him and become a powerful person, when you fast, do this. 
because every important decision and every crisis you face will come to this place, and we do this, and, and it's wise. When, when, we, when we have is, issues that, that concern us, we go to other people, we consider wise and say, what would you do? What do you think? What would you do? We, we Google things. We, we, we try to, we go to, to relatives that we think are wise and friends, and we say, what should we do? But the bottom line is that when it comes to the answer, you're going to have to be able to say, but God said this. And sometimes hearing what he has to say includes fasting so that all other voices get removed from your life so that you can hear him clearly. Fasting increases the ability to know what God is saying when normally we would be confused. And, I, and I'm so thankful for my, my father who, who was a follower of Jesus, who understood these things. And as I grew older, I would get in a situation and I'd go to him and say, what should I do? And he said, well, did you pray? Well, kind of. Well, what did God say? Not sure. What do you think I should do? He said, I don't know. Go, go talk to God. So I'd have to go pray. I'd come back, and he'd say, okay, what? And I'd say, I don't know. I'll go back and pray. Finally, I'd go, okay, I'm thinking what God is saying is this, and then he would walk me through understanding the answer. If we're going to be mature followers of Jesus, we know, got to know what God's telling us, and then we can, we can confirm that with the wisdom of the people around us. And the community helps us shape what God is saying to us how that will be fulfilled. So Daniel, Daniel, this, this, this young prince who was taken with others into Babylon, and there he lives in this captivity, knows that something is about to happen. He can sense it. There is something that he needs to know, and he's praying, God, I need to know what this is. And so he begins a fast, and for 21 days he fasts, and on the 21st day, an angel arrives. And you want to know what's happening while you're fasting? Listen to this. Then he said, the angel said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. The very first day you begin to fast, heaven hears that. But there's some battles going on. And I've come in to answer your prayer, but, but for 21 days, the spirit, prince of the kingdom of Persia, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit, prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Fasting clears the way for your answer. I know fasting's tough. If you would ask me how much I like fasting, I would tell you I absolutely hate it. I don't hate being with God. I don't hate the results. I just hate the idea of fasting. Someone said they're doing the Daniel fast. I said I want to do the Jose fast. That's Mexican food for 21 days. And God will speak to me in Spanish, and I will be okay. Fasting's a tough thing to do. And it seems, I'm going to tell you, it seems that when you decide to fast, that's when people start bringing you food. Ever notice that? And that's when, if you're watching TV while you're fast, when all the commercials come on with the food. Satan lives in Burger King, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so Pam and I were, were in a crisis, and we were being laid off at a church. And, well, i got to be honest, she wasn't being laid off, I was. We're really, honestly, I was being fired. And we didn't know where we were going to go, what we were going to do. And so we realized this is really serious. And so we began to pray. And then we said, this is really serious. We better fast. Two things happened during that fast that I don't think would have happened otherwise. We started fasting. And we realized as time went on, and actually through a prophetic word while I was fasting with someone else, 
God said this to us. You're not moving forward until you unpack some trash. And the trash was this. We were in a place that we loved, and we'd been there for five years, and we loved the staff, and we loved the lead pastor, and it was, it was the best ministry years of our lives at that time. And then my boss, the lead pastor, was promoted to another position, and they searched for someone else. They brought him in, and he came in with a whole, a whole different agenda and brought in part of his team and, and did things that just in weird ways that we had never been used to, and we thought it was just wrong. I thought it was wrong. I didn't think he was treating the people right. I didn't think he saw the vision right. And on top of that, there was an ego thing that I realized now in years past that. And I was pretty arrogant because while they were looking for a pastor, there were many people saying to me, you should be the next pastor, and even telling the, the church council and the people that I should be, but it's not what they decided and they went the other way. So here I am with this guy, not doing what I think he should be doing, not treating the people the way they should be treated, and me feeling like, you know, I probably should have been the guy. Although, humbly, I would say, no, no. Instead, I'm going, yeah. And, and, and so what would happen is that as he would do some things that were just making messes, it would seem to me, I would not overtly condemn them or criticize them, but I would make fun of it in humor. And so while we're walking through this fast, God makes it pretty clear, and he says, look, you have criticized him in a, in a very passive-aggressive way, and you now need to confess to me you've done that and confess to the people you've said these things to. And so I sat down and made a list of the people I'd said these things to, and there were 12 of them. And so I had to call each one and say, okay, well, here's the deal. And I went through the whole process, and here's what God's saying. And you probably never even noticed I did this. And every, every one of them of the 12 said, oh, yeah, I noticed. After the 12th one, things began to happen to move us to where we needed to go next. The second thing that happened in that fasting is that Pam and I got invited or, 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 or called saying that we're going we're to start a church in Boise, Idaho, and there's three families, and we can't guarantee you income, and we don't know what's going to happen, but we're, why don't you come and walk by faith, and, and we'll be with you. And, and I hung up. I said, there is no way I'm ever going to do that because I'd been in a really successful church, and I knew what that looked like, and I, and I, and I knew I could get a bigger church or a better church or whatever else. And, and, and so I said, there's no way we're going to do this. In the meantime, we would go places and either we didn't like it or they didn't like us, but nothing was happening. And we went to a conference and we're sitting in this conference and a friend of ours was speaking about actually starting a church in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, University of Illinois. And as it started, as he started talking, this thing just started burning inside of us. Now remember, we're still in a season of fast. This thing starts burning inside of us. And we head back to our room and I said, this is really weird, Pam, but I got this feeling we should reconsider this thing in Boise, although I don't think it's for us. I'm burning inside like it should be something for us. And she said, I'm feeling it too. I said, oh, man. We walked into the, ho into the hotel, and this is, before, this is before cell phones were, everybody had cell phones, so there was the hotel phone with the little blinking red light when there's a message. So I wonder what that is. So I picked up the phone and there was a, I called the front desk and they said, you got a call from, and it was my father calling. I thought, what's wrong with my father? So I called my father and, and my father said, hey, where are you? And I told him what was going on. He said, well, the weirdest thing, I've been praying for you and I feel like God just spoke in my heart and said that you should really reconsider Boise. I hate fasting. <laughs> so we did, we reconsidered, we went there. 
I can, I can clearly remember standing with the people who invited us, and we were, they were staying in their house, and Pam and I were freshening up to get on the airplane and leave and go, and, and they had asked us if we would do it, and, and we're standing in the bathroom freshening up, and we're at the mirror, and I looked at her, and I said, is there any reason why we shouldn't do this? She said, no, I think this is God, and it was, but I don't think we would have ever gotten there without the clarity that came from the fast. The fasting helps us hear God clearly and builds faith in us for something that we would never have considered we would have done, but God now builds it in us because we hear his voice, and faith comes from hearing him. As you know, we begin a corporate fast tomorrow. And if you don't know how to fast, we invite you to go on our, our website, eriefirst.org. It's there. And we're going to ask God to, to, to move us to the future. And, and, and so let me, just, let me just be really clear to you now. I said to the prayer team that gathered this morning before we started service, and was praying, we were praying over you and what God would be saying to us today and this week. I have not felt this intensity of spiritual warfare on this community of faith for the last, I have not felt this since 15 years ago. I could sit here today and tell you the people that are being attacked physically and relationally and financially and just, just weird stuff, just weird stuff. A couple weeks ago, I started getting floaters in my eye and thought that was really weird and found out that I had a, a torn retina and had to go in and get, I mean, just how, who gets a torn retina? I said, how does this happen? And my doctor said, well, there's, a, there's several reasons. Number one, maybe age. I said, that, that can't be it. <laughs> and he said, it could be a severe cough or a sneeze, or, or it, it could be that, that you were lifting something heavy. Do you lift? And I said, well, yeah, the day it happened, I was over lifting some weights. And I said, it wasn't that heavy compared to everybody else. I said, that could be it. But I'm just telling you, weird stuff's been happening this morning in this service while we're trying to be focused on what God is saying to us. The media department is scrambling like crazy because the screens are freezing up. The sound system is going wacky. Tell me, come on, it, it, it may be equipment, but it's not this morning as we're moving into a fast. The fasting guides that we have prepared for you disappeared. We're printing them again right now because we can't find them. So if you're, on, if you're working for Satan, will you hand those back? We need those. Because this week... We're going to work on laying it down. We're, we're going to do this. So on Monday, we're going to ask you to pray this. We lay down everything we love more than the daily worship of you and obedience to you. Grow in us a deep desire to seek you more than anything. Tuesday, we're going to pray. We lay down everything we fear, including people, circumstances, terrorism, persecution, and the unknown. Grow us in a faith to believe the impossible. Wednesday, we're going to pray. We lay down our selfishness, which leads us to greed and extreme busyness. Grow in us a compassion for the brokenhearted and the disenfranchised. Thursday, we're going to pray. We lay down a powerless and passionless church. Grow us into a church whose dependency on the Holy Spirit creates a love that leaves its comfort and a power that removes all doubt that the kingdom of God is here so that we will see you adding to the church daily those who are being saved. Friday, we'll pray. We lay down our worship styles and preferences. Grow us into worshipers who will only be satisfied when our gathering gatherings have made for you a holy dwelling place. Saturday, we will pray. We lay down all schedules and commitments, keeping us from reading and hungering after your holy scriptures. Grow us into mature followers of Jesus who know your truth and live it out. 
Because those are the things I believe that we've got to do now to become the people that God has designed for us to be. And for us to get there, we have got to lay some things down. When we fast, the words, the attitudes, and the actions holding us to our past collide with God's glory. Because that's what God's glory means. It means the weight of God. And the weight of God will come crashing into us as we fast. And he'll reshape us. Because he is, because we can't shape him. He's going to shape us. And what he does, he says, now see these things here? Lay them down. You don't need these anymore because it's not part of your shape. And this is who you are now. And I have made you now this way because you're going there. So walk in faith because I'm going to get you there. As we move that direction, here's what's going to happen. Fasting will release us from our oppression, from our battles that have been hounding us and hounding us. So I know this. We're, we're not Iron Man, and we're not, we're not Wonder Woman, and we're, we're not the Incredible Hulk. We are human, and we have weaknesses. But the Scripture says, in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. His strength is best seen in weak people. So I think this is God's intention for us as we fast. The prophet Isaiah said this. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. If you're feeling that you are tied and oppressed, he said, isn't it what fasting is for? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory, the weight of God, the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I right here, right now. If we're going to pray, come your kingdom be done, your will, part of that's got to be fasting because he says, you fast, I'll be there. It's not a magic formula, but it's finding connection with God that releases his glory. Prayer and fasting release explosions of justice, freedom, generosity, and healing. So here's what happens. And this, I'm going to just give you one example. These are true words from Dr. Roger Barrier. And this is what he discovered about fasting. And, and, and I'm just going to read you the story because I can't describe it the way that he does any better. So I want you to hear this. Pain etched Sally's face. Nerves damaged by radiation treatments left her in constant agony. She says this, the doctors say they can do nothing more. God is my only hope. And I noticed a passage on healing in James 5 yesterday that might help. So as she opened up her Bible, I saw two verses underlined in red. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. She said, would you gather, please gather the elders and pray for me? Roger says, unfortunately, it was not that simple. I grew up in a denomination that ill-prepared me for her request. The unwritten but strongly implied rule of our denominational culture stated that the pastors who ministered in the area of healing were charismatic at best and deluded at worst. Also, our churches were organized around deacons. We had no elders. Furthermore, I was not sure what a prayer of faith was. Finally, I had never anointed anyone with oil and was not certain how to do it. Obviously, we never discussed James 5, 14 through 15 in seminary. So I chose my words carefully. Sally? You are the first person to ask me to pray for healing according to James 5. I'm not certain what to do. 
I explain my pastoral dilemma, and then I proposed a solution. I suggest that we both pray and fast for five days. I'll meet you in my office next Friday afternoon, and if God tells us to proceed, we will. Now, Sally was no novice. She had walked with God for many years. She agreed to the proposal. Five days later, we both wrote on, a, on paper what we thought God told us and then exchanged papers. The conclusions were identical. We made plans for a healing service on Sunday afternoon, and since we had no elders at the time, I invited our deacons, and during the 30 minutes before Sally arrived, I explained to the deacons her request, the background to her pain, and what I knew of James 5, 14, and 15. I asked if anyone had participated in a healing service before. No hands were raised. When Sally arrived, we asked her to confess any known sin because James mentioned that in, the verse, in verse 16. So when she finished, I took the bottle from Lucky's supermarket and prepared to pour olive oil over her head. One of the deacons averted a mess when he shook his head and whispered that a drop on the finger applied lightly to the forehead might work better. <laughs> we took turns passing the bottle, anointing her with oil and praying for her. Now I wondered if perhaps Sally would now leap up like on television and shout, glory to God, I'm healed. But nothing happened. As she quietly exited the room, she thanked us for our prayers and left a room filled with disappointed confusion mixed with some measure of hope. Now, unbeknown to us, the healing service just moved to another time and place. In the early morning hours, Sally was awakened by a strange sensation and knew instantly that she was healed. By the time she was out of bed, the pain was gone, never to return. Later, Sally related to me an intriguing aside. I think that the reason God did not heal me in front of the deacons was because they might get proud. I think God waited until I was alone so he would get all the glory. She never had another pain as long as she lived. Fasting is saying goodbye to everything in us that still clings to the old. The old faith, the old way, the old lies, the old identities, the old pain, the old bitterness. And always following a fast is a break fast. Some of you go, I get it now. Breakfast, only it's a break fast. So this week, as you leave here, I want you to take, and, and, and the ushers are going to have them, and they'll be at the doors too, uh, and probably on the tables. We are reprinting those fasting guides for you. Take one with you and begin to fast this week. And there's a guide there to tell you how to fast if you've never, has, never fasted before. If you've never fasted before, I would not recommend you do seven days without eating. But we have a guide for you and follow it through and also on the website. And, and I'm going to encourage you to decide up front how many days or how many meals you're going to fast because Satan's going to come to you and say, oh, you know what, you should fill your life with this instead because he did it to Jesus, he's going to do it to you. And you decide what you're going to do and then you get an accountability person and you stick with it. And then we're going to meet next Sunday because I've called a sacred assembly. Say, so what is that? That is a, a special calling to focus on special things. And so if you're used to coming in later or sitting out in the lobby until certain things are, are done in here, I'm going to encourage you to come in here after a week of fasting with a focus on the fact that we're coming here for a very holy reason, a sacred assembly, and we will begin the service at 10 o'clock with a call to worship that will set the tone for the day. It's going to be a different type of service. In that service, we are going to reaffirm 
are laying it down. We're going to have confessions from this platform. People representing who we are and what we're saying to God. We're going to do that. We are going to declare who God is. This one that we have met with this week. And stay focused on him because he reshapes us and, and says, now follow me by faith where I'm taking you because we're going to go someplace else. We are going to hinge ourselves, unhinge ourselves from those things in the past, those things that have anchored us to the past. In the very way that Pam and I had been anchored and would have stayed in that situation without understanding what was holding us back, God says, I'm going to unhinge you personally and corporately from the stuff that have held you in the past. I'm going to release you so that you can move ahead. We're going to declare where we're headed for the future. We're going to celebrate who he is. And our attention is this, to say this to God. We lay down everything your first has ever been and we give it over to you. Grow us into the church we need to be for this moment in time that we may reflect your character, release your power, and conquer your enemies. We can do this. So you say, wait, wait, I just thought church was a place you go on Sunday morning and then I get the rest of the week that I can do my thing. No, no, no. I talked to you last week about where this culture and this United States and the world may be headed and you're going to need this power to face what's coming. And it's going to be too late to really get a handle on it when it comes. So we're shaping now. We're forming now. So we're going to go to war this week. And I'm going to, I'm going to warn you, that very often when you fast, you do not feel like you're conquering anything. That you feel, you feel worn out and wrung out. But you're going to notice that as we do this together, that when we are through, things start happening. Now, I'm going to also tell you that while you're doing this, all hell may break loose on you. And things that, that you didn't know around you that are disturbing to you are going to come to the surface. Because God's going to start, I cannot tell you how many times I begin to fast and things come to the surface and I go, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know that was going on. And it, and it tears you up. But God said, I'm getting all of it out. Here it comes. And you're going to lay it down to the side. Because why would we want to walk around with poison in our system if we can get it out? And so that, that could possibly happen. If you're fasting and something, you just have a question, call us. If you've got a question, I'm fasting and I'm feeling this, and is this right? Call us. Talk to somebody that's fasted before. Let's walk this thing together because we're going we're gonna to do this as community so that we can come to the place that we can say to God those words, that we may reflect your character, release your power, and conquer your enemies. So I am excited about where we'll be next Sunday I am ready to go through what we have to go through to get there because it's, God is so awesome. He's given us these tools, so let's do that because he will give us the ability to hold back because we are laying down. Would you stand? I want to pray over you as you journey into this fasting week. And we don't do this very often, and, and you may be a manly man and say, I don't want to do that, but I'm going to ask you to join hands with the people next to you. If you can stretch it across the aisle, do it. If you can't, that's all right. Pam, come up and join me. Got to have somebody to hold hands with. And I've been practicing with you for 40 years, so this works. <laughs> so, Holy Father,
by the means you provided us already, through the name of Jesus we come. And this week, we're going to lay down those things that have tied us to places we shouldn't remain. So we pray your protection over this church family, this community of faith, as we fast. We ask that you will send angels to surround our families and all of us so that the enemy cannot interfere. That you will push him back and hold him back. That we may have an encounter with you that will not be disturbed. We want to know you. Because that is the most important thing. So we push aside our, our food and, and maybe even our communications and our entertainment and whatever else. We push it aside and say, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you're saying to us. We want to know the stuff we need to lay down and the way you're shaping us for the future because we know that only the best is ahead. And so in those moments when we are just dying to eat, thank you that you died that we didn't have to that you'll empower us to achieve this and may we walk in extreme power and in those moments of physical weakness, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And may we even see people come to know you by the, by the very fact that your glory, the weight of who you are, exude through us as we spend our time with you. And I pray that next Sunday as we gather together, it will be a release for us to the next step, the next future you have for us as a community of faith. So we seal this now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you are in agreement, say amen. 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 God bless you. Be sure you pick up a fasting guide. You better eat today.